0: Welcome to the CEC Report, it's the 6th of January, I'm Robert Barwick and I'm joined today by CEC Leader Craig Isherwood. Welcome Craig. Yeah, thanks Robbie. Happy New Year. And
1: to you too, yeah.
0: Alright, in this first year edition of the CEC Report, two subjects, one, a snowy mountain scheme for Africa, TransAqua, and two, Russian plane tragedy highlights the common aims of mankind. Craig, before we begin. Um, it's worth noting that people would be watching us on Channel 31, still in the New year as We announced the good news before Christmas um, last year. This we will, we will continue to be free to air for at least the next six months, hopefully beyond that. Um, for Melbourne viewers, the, the airing time has changed from 11.30pm Sunday night to 10.30pm Friday night. So it's virtually prime time Craig no. <laughs> <laughs> however they, there will be some repeats um, of the show throughout the week so just if you're if you're used to watching in Melbourne um, just know that the viewing time has changed and you should adjust accordingly but for every other uh, city that shows channel 31 or channel 44 in our show um, it's on at normal times so first a snow mountain scheme for Africa trans aqua and Craig From the standpoint of our organisation, just before, uh, well, just around Christmas, there was really, really great news, Mm. because um, a project that we have pushed for a long time. There's there's a handful of of infrastructure projects around the world that would literally transform the world, right? On and solve a lot of problems,
1: and changing the world is done this way. Well, I think when you look at Africa, Robert, you've looking you've looked at centuries of colonial empirical rule, whether it be the British, the Dutch, the the, um, Portuguese or whoever, the problem there has been is that the populations of Africa have been subject to constant genocide. That's the British policy of population reduction. This policy opens the inside of Africa up for real economic development in a way that you can only really compare to the Snowy Mountain Scheme here what in Australia. What it
0: did for us, right? And there's other, there's other projects around the world, but for Australians, it's the Snowy Mountain Scheme. So what did the Snowy Mountain Scheme do? Here we had all this immense potential in the Snowy Mountains where the annual snow melt would just rush out the Snowy River, which is a short um, river, but it's got a great flow in when, it's, it, when it's melting season, rush out to sea. And far-sighted engineers went and surveyed the area and said, we can divert this water through the mountains to go down the other side, it flows into the Murray and the Murrumbidgee Rivers, it generates hydroelectricity on the way, and they, they used it to feed irrigation into what was arid land around the Murray River and the Murrumbidgee River basins, and they transformed it into the most productive farmland in Australia, right, and massively increased Australia's living standard by doing
1: so. Robbie, Africa has some of the most fertile land in the world, I mean... It has a huge population. People may not realize that Africa has a population of one point two billion people. It has a population density of about thirty-eight, which is three times that of Australia. But it's
0: and but it's less than other like, you know, India has a greater population density and because Africa is a much bigger land area, it's that's just right. one of the most undeveloped places in the and world. And
1: huge areas of Africa are completely underdeveloped. But you know, in terms of the Transaqua program, you have a number of these governments coming together which have huge populations. For example, Nigeria. It has a population of 182 million people in the same size as basically South, South Australia. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it requires real economic development, access to good quality farmland, which is properly developed. That means you have to have enormous amounts of good quality fresh water as one of the basic economic infrastructure, which of course is not taxed no. like it is here in no, Australia. No, exactly.
0: Now, so you con- what's, we're going to go through a decision in a minute what the project is. We'll, do it, we'll show you a video after the break. But just to contrast the, the political mindset here. So you've had a couple of centuries, quite a few centuries of colonial looting of Africa by European colonies, yeah. right? And now that, that just continues by multinational corporations. Nothing's actually changed. And if you can look at maps, for instance, of Br- Br- British colonial rule in Africa, where all the railway lines went from the mine to the port, that's it. There was no a- commitment to the actual developing of the, of the, of the country. Um, Prince Philip came along in the, with the World Wildlife Fund and locked up whole areas of Africa so it could remain untouched in the name of protecting wildlife. And it was all a fraud. It was just to control the populations and continue that European control. So this is changing now with China. China is coming in. China wants to be a good citizen of the world. And it's coming in, its influence is spreading. And it's being accused of a new type of imperialism, Craig. But you have to say this about China. At least when China goes to other countries, it pays its bills. It, it actually pays for the things it gets. It doesn't steal them. And it builds infrastructure. And a quick example of what they've already done, you go to Ethiopia, for instance. The last few years, there's been this massive famine in Ethiopia, as bad as the early 80s, when they had live aid and all that kind of stuff, and you know millions died. No one's died this time because in the last decade, China has built a modern railway network in Ethiopia that's allowed food aid to be distributed within a matter of days. That in the 80s would take four or five weeks. And by the time it got there, people had starved to death, right? So that's what China is doing. So, in this, so what's happened now, here's an idea that's been on the books for 30 odd years plus, right? China has come along and spoken to the governments involved and said, let's do it. And so, uh, that makes it a workable proposition, and we're going to let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll, we'll just explain the project. Welcome back to the CEC report, where we're discussing a snowy mountain scheme for Africa, trans aqua. So, before the break, Craig, we're, we're talking about how you know China's presence in Africa has changed the, the dynamic from one where for centuries they were looted. Now there's actually investment going on. And this, this, this project that we're about to talk about, TransAqua, will um, be the pinnacle of that investment and that kind of development. So what's happened is on the 13th of December, a Chinese company called Power China, the Lake Chad Basin Commission and Nigerian authorities signed a memorandum of understanding to develop what's essentially the TransAqua project. And for the best explanation, watch this LaRouche PAC video produced by our associates in the United States a few years ago. Watch this explanation of how this project would work.
2: The Sahel region of North Africa is growing and is refusing to participate in the biosphere any longer. Like the Aral Sea in Asia, due to low rainfall and lack of human intervention with infrastructure, lake chad once the sixth largest freshwater lake in the world is now drying up a plan to deal with this crisis was put in motion in 1972 and dr marcello vici from the italian engineering firm bonifica was in charge of the preliminary study ten years later the general feasibility and engineering aspects of the plan were published and ever since the campaign has lasted to implement this plan. The contours and the water flow of the land itself reveals the potential for this TransAqua program. With two nearly contiguous catchment basins, first that of the often flooded and untamed Congo River, second only to the mighty Amazon, with all its tributaries flowing westward out into the Atlantic Ocean, and, secondly, that of the drying rivers which run into Lake Chad. Both basins are separated by a small mountain range in between which dips down in parts. The TransAqua project is a design to create a completely new river, created by diverting the water which would otherwise contribute to the Congo and encouraging the biosphere, thus, to develop a new river basin. Directing this water northward, the river will cross the two existing basins and enter into the Dry Lake Chad. The total flow of this new river will consist of 81 million acre-feet per year. That's a little more than half the yearly flow of the Nawapa system, but only 5% of the yearly flow of the whole Congo River. The flow rate of this new river would be a whopping 3,200 cubic meters per second, which is equivalent to almost double the discharge of the Nile River downstream that of the Aswan High Dam. The whole stretch of the river, 1,750 miles in total, approximately half the length of the continental United States, will be on average 80 feet deep and 330 feet wide, making it navigable, and once the canal bends westward through the Central African Republic, it crosses the divide with the Chari River and is discharged at what will be the first inland river port on the African continent. As the altitude of the landscape drops, the water's flow will be producing in total 4 gigawatts of hydroelectric power. Once the water refills the Chad Basin, new agricultural development will blossom in the region, covering 12 to 17 million acres of intensive and semi-intensive irrigated farming. This is more than six times the size of the Jazeera region we saw before.
0: People can say for themselves, that is transformative. Right, um, so just for the sake of the viewers, what is the importance of this type of infrastructure? What do you say to the naysayers who would, who would, in a knee-jerk way, say, oh, that kind of thing's too expensive?
1: First of all, Robbie, the naysayers come from a mentality of monetarism, where they say it is lawful and right that basic economic infrastructure, like water, power, and so forth, should be subject to taxes, like in the form of ta- uh, you know, tolls and that sort of thing. User pays. Now, the user pay system, profit. like, this is absolutely insane. What you're going to see here is a massive increase in the physical economic output, particularly in agricultural goods, will feed the population, and, and also you'll see also increases in trade between the different countries. And of course, China is in there; it has an interest in developing these agricultural areas because it has food problems as well. So there's going to be under fair trade arrangements, you know, proper trade between nation states. So. When people say it's too expensive, what they're they're talking about is putting a monetarist value on real physical economic output. Now, talk to the 182 million Nigerians that don't have much food, for example, and say, well, what is the value of this project if we can have lots of food, right? You can't look at these things in the point of cost-benefit analysis for private boardrooms of shareholders of private companies that are run by banks. And we didn't look at the Snowy Mountains that way. No, we didn't. So when you look at the, the, the cost, look, take the Sydney Harbour Bridge, right? It cost $80 million to build back in the 1930s and that was, you know, there was all sorts of naysayers back then. You can't build this, it's too expensive, but you know, Jack Lang and uh, uh, Bradfield went ahead and they, they pushed through. They got the finances out of America and then finally out of Britain as well. And they built this $80 million bridge and it transformed the economic output yep. for the entire greater Sydney region. And you put, put a cost on it today of what that bridge has actually transformed over the last 80 years, that's the actual real cost benefit for a mere $80 million. And that's what the, the nature of infrastructure is. It acts like a catalyst, an artery for economic development, which you can't simply say, oh, well, on a yearly basis, you know, a three-year basis or even a exactly. five-year basis you know, this, doesn't, this, this infrastructure is not profitable because it's not returning a, whole, uh, a return to shareholders. You have to look at these sorts of projects in terms of 100 years. So if you build a navigable, effectively, 300 metre wide waterway, like mm. they're proposing with yep. the TransAqua, all that distance, that's there for 100 years, Robbie. Then you amortise the cost of whatever it costs over 100 years, not three years, not five, not even 20 years, but 100 years. So therefore, you see that is the benefit—the economic increase in, in increase in economic benefit—and
0: and China and, and, and the other in, in, interested parties will have their own funding lined up. But this is also the type of project because of what you just laid out that would you you could you should fund through a national bank create the credit for it because the, you're creating credit that will then be, help you create an asset to back up that credit.
1: Well, see, Robert, you've got a mentality and a monetary, right? This this current banking. Regime that's created the massive speculation, the debt we have today with derivatives and all the gambling instruments where money is used as a tool to control the people. Yeah. In terms of what has been proposed by China and you know, the BRICS countries, the Brazil, Russia, India, China and South Africa, you have a different mentality where it's the role of sovereign governments to harness the credit of the nation, to use that credit to expand economic infrastructure, economic development. So it's the government taking over the role, which currently is the role of private banking, to create necessary directed credits into uh, really increasing the economic output of their nations. That's a fundamental difference. Yep. And it's something here in Australia, our guys, our politicians, have not yet wanted to step up the plate with. Yeah. So while we're shutting
0: down essentially our Snowy Mountains scheme, uh, the, the irrigation side of it through, for, through green fraud, Africa is about to go ahead with a project that was going to transform them and give them a, whole, a new platform for a higher living standard. All right, let's take another break. When we come back, we're going to talk about how the Russian plane tragedy highlights the common aims of mankind. Welcome back to the CEC report. Finally, Russian plane tragedy highlights the common aims of mankind. So on Christmas Day, for those who may not have heard, there was a tragedy where a Russian military plane that was en route to Syria crashed into the Black Sea and it killed all 92 people on board. So that's obviously a tragic loss of life in its own terms, but there's something um, more profound, uh, there was a more profound loss associated with it. The victims included the 60 members of Russia's world-famous Alexandrov Ensemble, which is an all-male military choir, a very famous one. Mm-hmm. And Craig, this disaster—it it was dissonant because it happened in the middle of this huge hysteria against Russia that's 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 accompanied the Trump election, mm-hmm. where Russia is being accused of hacking the election, and also accompanied the the liberation of Aleppo from Al Qaeda, which the the Americans and Brits that backed Al Qaeda, you know, to to overthrow Assad, call the fall of Aleppo. Right. So there's this huge demonization of Russia, and in the middle of that, this tragedy happened. And so it put the West in a bit of a bind in terms of, you know, how they're going to respond to it. We discussed on the final show before Christmas how there, these neocons and liberal interventionists in, in the U.S. and the United Kingdom, they fear peace. Their worst nightmare is for peace between Russia and the United States, right? It, it takes away the impetus for a lot of the, the war and, and, and imperial shenanigans that goes on if that type of thing can happen. So, um, the opposite view of that neocon thinking is what our organization promotes. And the leader of the Schiller Institute, which we're a part of, who was Helga LaRouche, the founder, she calls it how we we in the world can work on what she calls the common aims of mankind, right? Take away the wars and take away the false reasons for for tension. You realize we've got a lot in common, right? Mm -hmm. So this tragedy is an example to actually illustrate that. What we want to do is use art because this this ensemble was world famous. They're beautiful singers, um, and art is universal. It really does unite humanity. The the ensemble epitomises principle. Look up their performances on YouTube, Alexandrov Ensemble. Right, you will see numerous examples of it. This beautiful all male choir, etc., with Russian voices, etc. But what we're going to do is play two quick clips. The first one we'll play now is this ensemble in 2011. On the 10th anniversary of 9-11, they're performing, as Russians, God bless America, as a tribute to their supposedly implacable enemies. And now, Craig, here is our organisation out in the United States, the Schiller Institute in New York City. They, as a condolence and an offering to the Russian people, they went to the Russian consulate and they performed Russia's national anthem outside the Russian consulate. This clip we're about to play went viral in Russia. It's got nearly got 500,000 views now because the Russian people appreciated that, some, that Americans, all, not all Americans hate them.
3: We launch against these opponents
1: So Robbie, I think you can see from those videos that the peace is what the neocons actually fear. The beauty of those presentations is what the neocons fear. So the world's set for big changes in this next uh, year of 2017. And of course we cover all our material in the Australian Alert Service, which people can call in and get a free copy from, so that they can actually uh, get some more details of what we're actually covering in this program.